Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome. So glad you joined us for worship this morning. Lord willing, this is the last time we'll have church here. So yeah. Just to um, up, update everybody on what's going on, we have um, the, I think it's the fire marshal going through the building on Tuesday and um, pending um, us passing that inspection, uh, we'll be able to start moving chairs into the auditorium, building the uh, children's classrooms with all the furniture that goes in there. Um, so uh, we're, we're, it's really day by day, though. You just never know about these inspections, how they're going to go and everything. So we would request that you would be praying for that, that it would go well, and we um, get our occupancy permits and all that this week. So watch your emails. You'll be getting an email from us uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, probably letting you know what's happening. If we pass that inspection, we'll be doing multiple work days this week to come in and, and get the building ready for church on Sunday. And um, so yeah, be watching your emails. So uh, anyways, we are starting a new sermon series today. Jordan was talking about it already, Miracle Working God. We, we serve a miracle working God. We don't always get to talk about that though. I mean, we talk about different things as we're going through scriptures. Um, we're going through the book of Mark right now, and uh, we're going to be seeing all these miracles that Jesus did. But God still works miracles today. I was thinking about that as we've actually been doing this whole building project. And I think God's worked amazing miracles as we've gone through this whole process. I, I remember when uh, we presented the building to you as a church and said, hey, we think this is the building that that God has for us. And we decided that we we're going to do a special offering to raise a down payment to put on the new building. And um, one of the, I think one of the largest offerings we had ever taken before was around $30,000 on a Sunday morning. And, and so as we were praying, the elders were praying, we were like, this would be a great down payment for the building. So we were praying for a $30,000 offering. And uh, we thought that was great. And then we did the offering that was $300,000, and it paid for the building in one Sunday. That's just an amazing work of God in the hearts of his people to do and accomplish what he wants to do. And we go on through the whole building project through a pandemic, and we delay it for a few months, but God says, no, go ahead and go and do this. Even though there's a shortage of labor, even though there's uh, supply chain issues, and most buildings I just found out are two to three months delayed uh, just because of those things I just mentioned. But God says, move forward anyways, and we're going to finish on, uh, on time and, and Lord willing, under budget during a pandemic and other things. God works miracles today. Now, I wanted to ask a quick question before we jump into the sermon series through the week. And I want you to be honest with me today. If you have experienced God work a miracle in your life, just give him praise right now by raising your hand and acknowledging that miracle in your life. Now, keep your hands raised. I want everyone to look around the room. We serve a miracle working God. He still does amazing things today in our lives. And here at Mission View Church, what we acknowledge, what we know, the greatest miracle that God works today is he brings dead people back to life. And what I mean by that is he takes people who are destined for an eternity, separated from him in hell, and he breathes life into dead, dry bones, and he reveals himself to them and gives them life eternally. That is the greatest miracle God can work today. And that's what God, that's why God calls us on mission for him. 
that we're to make disciples, that we're to go out and share the gospel because we know that as we share the gospel, God is going to do a work that only he can do. He's going to change people's eternal destinies. And that's what we are all about at Mission View Church. We believe God is a miracle-working God. Amen? Now, we're going to look at an account in Jesus' life. And I'm guessing that most of us are familiar with this account. It's the account of the storm on the sea. Has anybody here ever been caught in a storm on the sea? Boy, do I have a story for you. I was about 12 years old. Every summer, my family goes down to Emerald Isle, North Carolina. And this year, we were traveling with some friends, going down there to spend a week on the beach. And uh, a, a group of our friends thought it would be great to go deep sea fishing. So me being 12 years old and loving fishing and being at the ocean and actually thinking there was a chance that I could catch jaws, I thought this would be a great thing for me to do. So I jump on board. I'm super excited, and we're going deep sea fishing. is very expensive. My dad let me do it, though. And so I, we get on the boat, and we're getting ready to leave the port, and I start feeling so sick. I mean, we don't even get out into the ocean, and I turn green, and I should have known from the beginning because they give you this tour of this boat, and you walk down into the, the very bottom of this boat, and at the very bottom of this boat are these, these tables, and in, in, in this one corner, instead of a table around this circle of, of seating, there's a trash can. And I was like, that's strange. I wonder why there's a trash can in the bottom of the boat. Well, guess where I spent the next six hours? At the trash can in the bottom of the boat. But here's what happened. We're out to sea. We're, we're only supposed to go a couple miles out to sea. And this huge storm hits. We're talking 15-foot swells. It's supposed to be a three-hour excursion. We are out for longer than six hours. It was so bad. There was crew of the ship sitting beside me, puking into a can. The crew. I was like, who's manning the ship? (laughs) There's like, everybody's right here. It was so bad. I remember going into the bathroom, looking into the mirror, and my lips were literally green. And and the funny thing is I never threw up or anything. I don't know why, but I was literally green. It was one of those moments in my life I was like, Jesus, please come now. Like, specifically, please, now. I was was terrified. This boat was, it was a smaller fishing boat, 15-foot swells. This thing was going up and down. It would tilt so far over at certain times. I thought it was, we were capsizing. And the the crew was like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. But me and all the other deep sea fish, well, land lovers, they call, you know, in North Carolina, they call the, the people who live there salters, right? The salters were like, ah, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. But all of us land lovers were like ready, thinking that the end was near. That's kind of what we're going to see in this account in Jesus's life today. It's funny. He's on a, a boat with a bunch of fishermen and they think the end is near. They're not like these salter guys who were you know, thought everything was going to be fine. These fishermen who spent their life on the water were in a boat with Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and they think they're about to die. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me to Mark chapter 4. This is just a, I love this account in Jesus' life. There's three stories of Christ's uh, life in uh, the Gospels where he's in a boat, actually specifically Mark where he's in a boat on the water. All three of these accounts in Christ's life were to really point out to those around him and for us today, these accounts in his life 
all three of the accounts on the water are to point to Christ's deity. That Jesus wasn't just a man walking the earth. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. This mystery we struggle and probably can't fully comprehend at this time in our limitations of humanity that Jesus was truly God and truly man. And, and this account really brings that to the surface and really that's what God wants us to gather today. Let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that it is right and that it is true, that it will never change. God, that your truth is what we can hold on to. God, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through you, Jesus. So we pray right now that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word, that your Holy Spirit would do the supernatural work of truth revelation that only you can do. Do that work for us, that we would be changed, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your truth. Come and have your way. Change us for your glory and for your kingdom. Use me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pick it up in verse 35 in chapter 4 of Mark. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? God's word for us today. Now, the first thing I want us to kind of pull from this account in Christ's life is that what we do when the storms hit reveals our faith. What we do when the storms hit reveals our faith. In verse 38, it said, But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever, have you ever thought that before? I mean, you're going through life, everything's, you know, rainbows and unicorns, everything's great, and then all of a sudden something just, bam, just hits you like you, you didn't see it coming. Everything was fine. Everything was right, and then who knows what just comes, and it kicks you in the gut, takes the wind out of your sail, and you're like, what in the world is happening? I mean, we have all been there. I mean, we have all experienced suffering. We have all experienced trials. We have all experienced loss. I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is difficult. We live in a fallen and broken world, and, and the, the consequences of sin are ever reaching. They, they hit us in all different places and different times. We've all experienced this, this kick to the gut that this world gives. And I would venture to say that all of us have thought at some point, God, why is this happening? What in the world? I, I thought you loved me. <laughs> you know, the, like your word says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I mean, I thought you loved me. What are you doing? Why would you do this? 
Lord, don't you see I am perishing? I'm about to die. I don't think I can take this any longer. I don't know that I can go any further. I think all of us have been there. All of us have had made that statement. Now, I think it's, it's, it's interesting as we read this, and you see the disciples' response to the storm. They wake Jesus up. Jesus' first thing, as I'm reading through the text, it says, and he rebuked. And initially, you know what I thought would come next? And he rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith. That's what I thought would come next as I was reading through that. I was like, come on. This is, this, you're on a boat with Jesus, the creator of the universe. You have just watched him heal hundreds of people. You have walked with him as he taught scripture. And you have watched him cast out demons and raise the dead. You have seen him speak to 15,000 people and see lives change. I mean, you are walking with Jesus. In the, God in the flesh. You are, you are with Jesus. I mean, I, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, and he rebuked the disciples. But he doesn't. He rebukes the, the wind and the sea. That's huge. I think it's huge. And I think that's, that's something we can take note of. That in, in the real difficult things in our life, when it feels like the wind's been taken out of our sails, when we, I mean, when we get to the point, when we get to the lowest of our low, and we're willing to look at the one who died for us and say, do you even love me? Can't you see I'm dying I don't, I don't understand. I can't even comprehend what this is, what you're doing. God's not going to stand up there and rebuke you. Isn't that good to know? He's going to calmly say, here is peace that surpasses understanding. Because I do love you. Amazing grace, amazing mercy. Man, I love, I love that, that God loves us like that. You know, as we look at this, and you see the disciples, you know, freaking out about the song, the storm. We freak out when things go wrong because we think we have to solve the problem. Any problem solvers here? We love problem solving. Give us the problem. We'll find the solution. It's like, you know, we just, we'll figure it out. We'll pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we'll make it work, right? We love problem solving. We, may, we love making things work. As we live out this life, it's easy to get to the point where we think we are actually doing it on our own or accomplishing things in our own strength and power or our own strategies and ideas, if we aren't careful, we can slowly but fully put our faith in our own strategies, strength, minds, or bank accounts. We have to con constantly and consistently remind ourselves of our true place in this world. Our true place in time. Our true existence in life. 
If we want to keep our faith pointed in the right direction, we have to daily remind ourselves of gospel truths. Now, here's a few I wanted to share with you this morning. The first gospel truth we have to constantly remind ourselves of is this. You might want to write it down. Jesus is the center of the story. Real basic kind of Bible Christian thing. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're a new Christian, or okay, maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. There's a tendency in this life that we put ourselves in the center of the story. If we were like to draw out how we exist in this life, we draw this big circle or we start out with our name right in the middle, right? And we're right here and we have our religion up here. Got Jesus over here. We got our uh, family over here. We got our job down here. Got some friends over here. And they, we all we got to balance our time and, and deal with all these different things and responsibilities. And when we get to know Christ, when, when he introduces him to us, himself to us, he changes that whole diagram. And he says, okay, Matt, I know you thought you were right here in the center, but I, I, I got to tell you, that's not where you belong. You belong kind of over here, and I belong right here. And as we progressively learn that and grow in that, what we find out is that we had, we had all these these expectations and responsibilities and weights on our shoulders that were never meant to be there. That Jesus is strong enough, that God is powerful enough, that God is sovereign enough, that he's the one who's supposed to bear the weight of all of those things. And this, this entire book, this history of humanity that, that tells us, you know, from creation to the end, when Christ comes back, from the beginning of time to the end of time and the beginning of eternity, that tells us all of those things, that every single page of this book, from Genesis to Revelation, has a, a, a star, a, a superstar that, that is weaved through every story on every page, and his name is Jesus. He's the center of the story. And so oftentimes, we put ourselves in the center. So that's the first gospel truth we need to really wrap our minds around to really remind ourselves to, on a daily basis that we exist to glorify, to lift up the name of Jesus, the person, Jesus Christ, that all would come to know him. Jesus is the center of the story. The second one is we're a small part in God's greater story. We play a small part in this amazing epic of redemption and restoration. This life here is just like a blip on the screen. It's here one day and gone the next. We play just this little part that, that God would invite us in to play any part of this huge epic of restoration and redemption of humanity is mind-blowing. I'm not, I'm not minimizing what God is doing in our lives. We praise God for that. But we have to, to, to be real about this. God has been working. Now get this. God has been working his sovereign plan since before time began. Let that just sink in for a second. Do you, do you, it's hard for us to even comprehend that. I mean, Lord willing, 
We have 80 years, 90 years on, on this planet to live out this life. God has sovereignly been working his will and his plan for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. One, that's amazing and mind-blowing. And two, he's invited us to play a part in that amazing plan. But we have to remind ourselves we're not the center of the story. It doesn't begin and end with us. It doesn't begin and end with our success and our failure. And that's great. That's great. I hope you, you just can breathe a, a deep breath. Just, it doesn't depend on me. We're not the sovereign one in this. God is. So we play a small part. But think of this. We get to play a part in God's amazing story of redemption and love that he has. That's the second gospel truth. We play a small part in this God's great story. The third is God loves us more than we can comprehend. I mean, when we're going through the mess, when we're going through a trial, tribulation, or struggle, or we're falling on our face, or whatever it may be, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel truth that God loves us more than we can comprehend. It's easy for us to read through the gospel of Mark like we're doing and studying. It's easy for us, it's easy for me to stand here and say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus lived a perfect life. He didn't sin in thought or deed. He lived a perfect life that you and I cannot live. And then he died a sinner's death for us. He took our place on the cross. He incurred God's wrath on himself in our place. He took all of that and he died. And three days later, he rose again, defeating death, conquering sin for you and me. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us, preparing a place for us. Now we can say that. We talk about that all the time. But for us to truly comprehend the sacrifice that Christ made for me and you is what I'm talking about. You have to be your own best preacher every day, reminding yourself, God loves me more than I can comprehend. When my son Noah was born, he was born in Greenwood, Indiana. I think, for how old was I? I was I think I was 20 years old. Was I 20, Joe? 21? 22? 22 years old? I'm terrible at dates. That's why I asked Joe. And I remember going to the hospital. It's all exciting. You know, all this is happening. And I remember being in the, the hospital room. And um, Janelle's going through all this. And I, I can remember at one point the nurse going, sir, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. And she goes, no, you're not. Sits me down because I'm about to pass out. And, um, but anyways, I remember holding my son for the first time. And you parents out there are about to understand what I'm about to say. There is nothing like it. I cannot tell you in words to help you understand it. When you hold your baby in your hands... There is nothing like it. I thought at that moment, this, my, I, I literally thought my chest was going to explode. 
I thought I was going to have a heart attack or die. It was just this overwhelming love that I had for this little human being. And he's just crying, and he's so little. I'm like, I look at the nurse, I'm going, I want to break him. He's so little, so fragile. She's like, no, nah, they're, they're indestructible. They're, they bounce. <laughs> I'm holding him, looking at him, and I, I, thought there was, I thought I could never love anyone or anything like I love my son. And then my wife got pregnant with our second child, and I was terrified. I was like, there's no, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to love this, this next baby like I loved my, my first, the first baby. There, that, that experience that I had, that explosion in my heart, this like feeling, I, I, there's no way. I was terrified. I, I, sh- I even shared that with Janelle. I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, is it going to be, you know, the same? And I remember when Adeline was born. And I was like, what just happened? What just happened to me? I, I was like, how did, my, how did this thing inside of my chest get so much bigger? How did it, it expand like this? How did it grow? How do I feel these feelings? What does this even mean? You know, I, was, I was amazed. And then our third child, because they're out of imminent, it happens again. I'm like, this is impossible. And I think about those feelings, those emotions that I had, this, this, this feeling of love and protection and and responsibility and this weight and just this beautiful thing of love. And let me tell you, it is nothing compared to the love that God has for you. And we can't even compare it. It is like a speck. God loves you with a love so much greater than any human can ever express because he is perfect, almighty God. That is how God loves you. That's the gospel truth you have to preach to yourself every morning. Son of God, he's calling you. He loves you. He has plans for you. Daughter, princess, he's your father. Unlike any earthly father, any earthly love, we have to preach that gospel truth to ourselves every day. The fourth, God's way is better than my way. Oh, I got an amen on that one, but I got to tell you, we don't believe it, do we? We say, God, you know better than I do. Your way is better than my way. We even quote the scripture, his ways are higher than our ways. But then life gets hard and we're like, I don't like your way. I want my way. I was, I was praying that God, you would provide this and you gave me this. I don't like the answer to this prayer. I want my way. When we're in the mess, when it's hard, when life is really difficult, we have to remind ourselves that God knows better. I know it sounds silly. It sounds really basic. Like the one who created us knows what's best for us. That sounds logical. But we're not logical when life is hard. So we have to remind ourselves that God's way is better than my way. And then we have to preach that to ourselves over and over and over and over again until we believe it. Because there's parts of our hearts that just struggle with it so much. Number, that was number four. Number five. I'm preaching my whole sermon in the first point. Sorry about that. It happens sometimes. Number five. Jesus died for me. Now I die with him. That's a gospel truth. Jesus died for me. Now I die with him. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice. It is giving our life away. Jesus came 
to give his life. He said that he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And in so doing, he lived out the example that you and I are called, invited in to join into. We are meant to live lives of sacrifice, of selflessness, because Jesus lived a life of sacrifice and selfless for me and you. That's gospel truth number five, the last one I want to give you. There's many more, but those are five really good ones. Jesus is the center of the story. We are a small part of God's great story. God loves us more than we can comprehend. God's way is better than my way, and Jesus died for me. Now I get to die with him. The second thing I want to pull out of this amazing account of Jesus calming the storm is this. Jesus loves us even when we struggle. I know I've already talked about it a little bit, but I had to make it a sermon point because, man, we don't believe that. We live in this life, and we are, we are told from the very beginning, if you do X, Y, and Z, you get A, B, and C, or vice versa. I know that was backwards. Sorry. If you do A, B, and C, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. If you study, 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 study really hard, you're going to get an A on that test. If you practice and you practice and you practice, you're going to be a starter on the basketball team. You can do whatever you dream. Well, I dreamed I was 6'8 and played in the NBA. I'm 5'10. I played in the NBA. No, we are, we, are, we are told from the very beginning, you have to do, 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 and you get, get, get. And the gospel, the truth of the gospel throws that upside down. And it says, here's everything. Not just a little bit, not just something. Here is everything. Now, since you have everything... Let's do this. Let's live life to the fullest. Let's go for this. Let's, let's just go do this. And it's this revelation that only the Holy Spirit and supernatural power can do. He opens our eyes to this free gift of grace in the person of Jesus Christ. He opens our eyes to this amazing mercy that is found in him. And we realize that we've done nothing right. I mean, let's be honest, we've done nothing right, and God has done everything right, and he gives us this gift. And we're like, this isn't how it works. That's not how it's supposed to work. Like, no. In fact, some people just get offended by it. I want to do it. I've done everything else pat myself on the back, I want to do that. No, that's not how Christianity works. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, destined for an eternity separated from our creator. Dead men don't make choices. Dead men don't make decisions. God, in his grace and mercy, brings us to life. That's the miracle I'm talking about. These disciples, man, they're struggling. <laughs> they're just, do you even care? We're dying. And Jesus calms the storm. Three things. Well, you know what? I'm going to skip the three. I'm going to give you the last one. This is really good. We need to remember in the storm, in the struggle, in this chaos of life, 
I want to give you this acronym called ASK. A-S-K. A is acknowledge your need. We need to acknowledge our need for Christ. Now, you say, I already have Jesus. His Holy Spirit lives in me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need Jesus. He loves you. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you, the, you know Jesus, you need more of Jesus. <laughs> you need more of him. You need a fresh revelation. You need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes even more. You need him to take you deeper, to take you further, to know him more. We will never, you will never fully expose the greatness and glory of God. And the Holy Spirit is meant to take you deeper and further over and over and over again. And we need to acknowledge that need. S is seek Christian counsel. Seek Christian counsel. Don't go to your buddies at work. Don't go to Jim Bob down the road. Go to brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to tell you the truth. That'll tell you the hard stuff. We avoid it. We, we always avoid the hard stuff. We, when we struggle and we're going through something hard, we want to go to somebody who's going to tell us we're, we're doing everything great. Have you ever done that? You're going through the hard thing and you're just like, I can't believe this. I don't know what to do. I'm going to talk to Tom because he always tells me I'm awesome. Tom, I'm going through this thing and we got in this huge fight and it was terrible and you know, they're just so mean to me. And, you know, I did cuss him out and hit him in the face. You know, but he's just so. Tom's like, oh, you didn't do anything wrong. You're the, you're the greatest guy I know. You're the, in fact, you're the nicest guy I know. They must be a real jerk. You should just go, you know, do your thing. Write them off. No. We need to go someone who's going to tell us the hard stuff. Ask us the hard questions. Be truthful and honest with us, Christian counsel. And K, keep running after Jesus. Because in the chaos and in the mess, in the storm, man, we'll run to anything but Jesus all the time. I'm sure, it's not in the story, but I'm sure just because of humanity and who we are that the disciples probably went and grabbed the buckets first and started just spitting the water out of the boat. They probably tried to steer the boat in a different way or a different angle and tried to fix the problem right on their own. I'm pretty sure the first thing they did wasn't run to Jesus and say, because you don't go to Jesus and say, do you even care? We're perishing here until you've tried to fix it yourself. Right? Right? And oh man, do we do the same thing. <laughs> something happens, something goes wrong in our lives. We're talking to so-and-so, talking to so-and-so. We're whiteboarding problems, strategies to get out of it. We make all these plans. And eight months later, as we fall flat on our face, we're like, how could you do this to me? We live in a mirage of independence. We live in a mirage of independence. And we exist in the reality of Full dependence on God. Every breath we breathe, it says we are sustained. All, everything is sustained by Christ. We live in a mirage of independence and we exist in full dependence on God. 
All right, you ready for my favorite point in this sermon? Number three. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? Who is this man? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Number three, the last fill in your notes, we fear the wrong things. We fear the wrong things. They feared the storm. Now get this. They feared the storm because they didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. They feared the storm because they didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. We fear the storm because we don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. We got to get this, church. We got to get this. The verb terrified in the Greek is where we get the word phobia. Phobeomai in the Greek. It's to have all and refers to reverence that overtakes people in the presence of supernatural power. Jesus is God. And that means he is creator, sustainer, grace giver, life saver, savior, king of kings, Lord of lords. He always is, always has been. He is all powerful, all knowing, ever present. He exists outside of time, but he invaded our time. He is in control of all things. He has peace and he, he peace to the chaos and the, the storms, the sunshine he's in control of. He works his will through sinners and saints. Jesus is God means that nothing you experience is out of his control and wisdom. And that knowledge should be so reassuring and terrifying. His power makes the demons tremble, the rocks cry out, creation proclaim, and it will make every knee bow and every tongue confess. And he is all of these things and so much more. And he loves you. That's what they didn't get. He's all of those things. I could have gone on for an hour, 10 hours, and listed all that God is. And they didn't get it. Jesus, in three words, said all of that. Peace, be still. Three words, and he says, I am God. Man, we need not tremble, but we should. We do fear God, and the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. It's what his word says. We come to God, our Father in heaven, who loves us with such great a love that he sent his only son to die for us so that we could be his sons and daughters. When I was a kid, and I'm, I'm talking probably five, six years old, my, I thought my dad was Superman. In fact, I thought he was the only human being on planet Earth that was stronger than Superman. I loved watching Justice League on Saturday mornings. You guys remember Saturday morning cartoons? Oh my gosh, those were awesome. Like, High C in the can, and Pop-Tarts in Saturday morning cartoons. I'm dating myself just a little bit. Yes, Emma, there was High C in a tin can. You had to open it with a tin can opener. <laughs> My daughter, we love we those superhero movies. But I, I've always loved superheroes. Superman was awesome. 
He was like the, the most powerful superhero. He could fly, laser beams out of his eyes. But as a small kid, I truly believed like my dad was stronger than Superman. He could protect me from anything. He could do whatever he wanted. I, I thought he was like the superhero in the flesh. I remember when he would come home from work, and he would work six days a week. He'd leave at about 5 in the morning, get home at about 6.30 at night. And he would be covered in welder's dust and everything else. As our family's business built truck bodies and different things. He'd be just filthy. And he would get to the front door. And I had two little brothers, an older sister. And we would, we would wait for that car to get the truck to get into the driveway. We'd hear him coming. He'd hear that front door. As soon as you hear the front door turn, man, it was a full-off sprint across the house because dad was coming home. And we would tackle him at the front door. And he would just wrestle us. You know, I'm thinking, he would pick me up throw me up into the air, and then he'd grab my brothers and throw them onto the couch. I mean, we were just like little toys. And it was great. It was awesome. I was playing with Superman. He could do anything. I thought, I truly believed he was like the real life Superman. And he was my dad. And he loved me. And there was this awe that I had about him. And he disciplined me. He loved me, but he gave me a spanking from time to time. And boy, did I deserve it. <laughs> but he did it out of love, and he loved me so good. And I was scared. I was scared to get spankings. He kept me out of a lot of trouble. But he loved me. There was this sense of awe. Superman was cool on a TV in a cartoon. But in real life, it was amazing. God is so much greater God is your Father in heaven. When you give your life to Him, it says you come to Him, Abba. It's the most intimate of words towards the Father. Daddy. He is your Daddy. And He's so much stronger than some cartoon character. So much more loving than any earthly father. And He says, come with me. I got you. That's what we have to believe. That Jesus is God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and he loves you. We need not fear. We need not tremble, but we should because he loves us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, we pray that you would open our eyes deeper and further our understanding of who you are. God, that we, we don't need to fear a storm. We don't need to fear a trial. We don't need to fear tribulation because we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And before time began, you had good plans for us. You had set aside good things for us to do. There is nothing, nothing that can take us out of your hands. You are going to work your will, your way, for your glory, no matter what. Help us to trust in that. Help us to live in that truth, God. Help us to not be like the disciples and come to you and say, do you even care that we're dying here? Because we know that we know that we know you do. And you can calm any storm that we see, Father. We want to pray your word this morning. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. God, help us to fear not because you are with us. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. God, help us to not be dismayed. Help us to believe and trust and know that you are our God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
God, that's what you do. That's who you are. That's what you lived out in Christ on the earth, that you strengthen us and you are our help. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God, we pray that you would uphold us with your righteous hand, and we trust in that. God, we trust in you. We give you our lives. Use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.